if you'd love to support Michelle and I, you can over on Kofi. It's £4 slash six bucks and you can become part of the VIP Royal community. We have a private Facebook group and we also have a monthly Zoom call. So if you'd love to, we'll leave the link in the show notes. A grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors dedicated to the royal family each episode will be crammed to the rafters with opinions news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of windsor with your hosts and royal fan girls rachel andrews and michelle soul to grab yourself a cuppa straighten up your tiara shine your knighthood round up your corgis and let's let's keep up with with the the windsors hello and welcome to this week's episode of keeping up the windsors i'm rachel and i'm michelle Royal community, if you have listened to our past two episodes, you would have known that we went to the coronation. Yay! Woohoo! This episode, Michelle is actually on holiday. So we've recorded this in advance of Michelle going away. So we thought we'd carry on with the coronation theme. And we're going to talk about what we think of the new Carolean era. We had a discussion about what we wanted this episode to be. And I think having that connection to the future of what Charles's monarchy will look like, I think it's going to be an interesting topic to talk about, Rach. What's interesting is we've recorded this before the coronation. So we don't know what's happened. Let us know what you think King Charles's reign will look like. Do you think there's going to be any changes? Come on over to Keeping Up With The Windsor's pod over on Instagram and let us know. Let's get started then, Rach. When King Charles became king, what was your first thoughts? It was quite different, wasn't it? Because we had Queen Elizabeth II for over 70 years. And to go from having a queen to then a king... It was just really strange in that sense that for our lifetime, we're probably never going to have a queen ever again. Mm -hmm. And so it was strange in a sense that it was a man. And we've known Charles, obviously, has been waiting for such a long time for this to happen. This is his destiny. This is the whole reason, apart from obviously being a family, but this is his purpose in life was his role to be born was because he was going to be the future king. Could you imagine that, though, being born with your destiny paved out already? That pathway is being created for you. I couldn't imagine that. No, and it's crazy because I always think, what age or when do you think William or George was told? You know, when you're a kid and you say, oh, I want to be a policeman. I want to be a hairdresser. I want to be a this. Mm. I want to be a that. Or for me, I want to be a horse racing trainer. Like, I just wanted to do something with horse racing. I just loved it. Well, there you go. But every kid has a dream of what they think they're going to be when they grow up. And it's, it's nice to have those dreams, but that's never going to happen to you because you will have this role for life and this is what you, you are going to be doing. Yeah. And that just must be so strange. I always think I wonder when that conversation happens and how it happens. So it's one of those things where we've always known Prince Charles as the Prince of Wales he would eventually become king. But it just felt like we were just waiting for so long. So can you imagine how he must have felt all these years, knowing that's the role that he's meant to be doing? But unfortunately, for that to happen, he has to wait for his mother to pass away. It's like at the end of your destiny, you have to lose someone you love so dearly. It's such a cruel thing, actually, isn't it? It is, it is. I feel the same as you. When King Charles came to the throne, for me, it felt very jarring. Like you said, Rach, he's a man. We're not used to a man. We're used to the queen. We're also used to the queen being this 
really stoic person. We don't know very much about her. Whereas with King Charles, we knew a lot about him. We know that he has all these stances for environment and sustainability. And that's something that we were never really privy to with the Queen. We could guess at it and we could probably have little snippets here and there. But we know a lot more about him because in his, I want to say secondary role, but I don't mean in that sense, it's still a very important role, but he's not the monarch. He was Prince of Wales. And being the Prince of Wales, he had a little bit more freedom We've known him for that, you know, as an era parent. It's a big undertaking, I think, to go from a role that people know you as into now another position. I guess it feels very much like when you're in work and like your friend gets promoted and you're like, I just can't see him as as their role. You know, they'll always be this to me. Yeah, I wasn't happy about it. And that's not because of Charles, but just because what it meant. And I think the Queen dying for me had such a fundamentally like tectonic plate shifting feeling that I was so surprised at. I never, ever thought I would feel that way, but it did happen. And then we have to settle with someone who, to be honest, he's always been quite low in the rankings of popularity, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's never been the most popular royal. I think we've always said since we started doing this podcast, we'd have more of a affection for Charles and more of an understanding of the work that he actually does and how many people he's helped throughout his life within that role as Prince of Wales. But for us, there's no one going to be the Queen, right? Mm. You just can't top the Queen. You just can't, for for us anyway. Even if it was William that had taken the throne, I would still find it just as jarring as Charles. I'm glad you said that, Rach, because I feel the exact same way. It's not because it's Charles, it's because it's different. It's change. And she was stability. Honestly, the amount of people who loved her or even if you didn't really believe in the monarchy respected her that is a trust and a respect that is gained over 70 years i don't think he's ever trying to fill his mum's shoes i think he's going to create a path that is his own but what i find interesting is as i just said Some people, even if they didn't like the monarchy, respected the queen. But actually what we find now is this conversation around whether the monarchy is relevant in 2023. We saw the protesters at engagements. What does that mean for the monarchy moving forward? I I think when you have such an important figurehead, a head of state that's known the world over, And then there is that change and it's not elected by the people. There is always going to be that conversation because obviously Charles as king is the head of state and there is calls that actually it should be chosen by the people. But Mm. I also think, and maybe this is me being biased because I am a monarchist and I believe in the royal family and the work that they do. But I think we see sometimes, especially when the royal's do overseas tours, you don't have that sort of reaction that a politician would have. It's because they are royalty. And we've spoken about this many times. There is a difference between royalty and celebrity. They are not celebrities. They are public servants. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing this when we look back at the coronation. There's a part in the coronation oath where the king says, I am not here to be served. I am here to serve. Yeah. And that is a role and a duty and a service that they take very seriously because, again, like we said earlier, that is their whole reason for being, right? Yeah, Is part of the royal family, is they're there to provide a service to us as the people. But as I said, they're always going to be that 
anti-monarchy shift when we lose someone like the Queen, who has been the head of state for 70 years. And there is always going to be that. And protesters are nothing new. Even when the Queen was alive, there was always anti-monarchy feeling. But yeah. the anti-monarchists now feel like this is their time as such to really push their agenda forward because now is for the taking. Especially as well because Camilla and Charles haven't had the best press over the years, have they? There's a lot of people that said, oh, well, he's had a divorce. He can't be defender of the faith if he's had a divorce. And there's a lot of people who have those types of thoughts about Charles and Camilla and them becoming king and queen. And what was really interesting, actually, Rach, is just before the coronation, there was that big hullabaloo, wasn't there, about the pledging allegiance to the king. And that, for me, I could see that there was really good intentions behind it. This part of the ceremony was supposed to be a homage of peers, right? It was supposed to be for people who say, yes, this is the rightful king. And Charles said, no, we're not doing that. We're going to open it up to the people. Let this be an inclusive ceremony. In the oath, it actually says, all who so desire in the abbey and elsewhere say together. And then the oath is, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your ears and successors according to the law. So help me God. So that is supposed to be something that is only for the people in that congregation at the time, for that service. But in order to have everyone in the world come together and to, so to speak, pledge their allegiance, it didn't feel like that to me. It was supposed to be a really nice thing. And then it got turned into something that we're being told we have to do this because there is that sentiment behind it. They're running with it. This is their time. If it's ever going to happen, it's going to happen now because they will gain momentum for people who don't believe that there should be somebody who has a birthright to all that power, to all that money or, you know, to the status. But they don't see that it's actually a public service. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. That is a big undertaking for one person to have. It's a big responsibility. And I think we're only going to see this just because there's a coronation. This sentiment, this feeling doesn't just go away. Yeah. Like this is going to go on for years and years. And there will always be that outcry for people saying to abolish the monarchy. And as I said, we are probably biased because we believe in the monarchy and mm -hmm. all that it does. So we're looking at it from a different perspective. But I do sometimes feel that the anti-monarchists don't necessarily take the time to understand and appreciate, like what you just said, everything that the royal family do for the country, for the constitution, it's a service that, like you said, I probably wouldn't want to wish on myself. Even just thinking about having that St. Edward's crown on my head, holding the orb, having all the regalia and the absolute symbols of what that means, I would crumble, I think, under that pressure. That is so much. And Just imagine the queen, she was 25 taking that on. It's a big deal. And remember, it's not just the UK. There's other realms, other territories and heads of the Commonwealth. It's a lot. What do you think King Charles is going to change then? Do you think he's going to change anything within his reign? It's hard, isn't it, to know exactly. I mean, I think we'd need to give the king at least a year into the role, a grace period, if you would, because 70 years, that's a lot to happen in that one reign. Times are changing and things never stay the same. 
And I think it will be interesting to see if and when changes do happen. You know, we're seeing little bits here and there in the run-up to the coronation we was, but the bigger changes, what really does the king have power over? It's not like Mm. hundreds of years ago when the king would make law. It's not like that anymore. All he can do is be there in the role that he is and serve the people, which is his whole purpose of being. Yeah, I think the changes for me personally, we've already seen some of them. The first one is him not living in Buckingham Palace. He's like, no, that ain't happening for me. I ain't living there. And I'm like, good on you, Charles. We know he's got so many different other properties in the UK. So it makes sense that he would be in different places. I think at the moment, he's still at Clarence House though, right? Is his main residency. Yeah, when he's in London, yeah, Clarence House. But he has been spending a lot of time at Windsor as well, yeah. which would make sense. We've spoken about it before in the podcast that Windsor is becoming the royal hub as such because you've got William and Catherine living there with the children. Yeah. It would make sense that a lot more engagements take part at Windsor Castle and then you open up more rooms at Buckingham Palace and you get more tourists in and make more revenue and money because don't forget Buckingham Palace is not owned by the royals, mm. it's owned by the state. Yeah. And it is a charity. It's the under the Royal Collection Trust umbrella charity. And we actually said Royal Community, when we were in London, we walked past St. James's Palace and we were like, oh, wouldn't it be really nice if they opened some rooms up in St. James's Palace as well? And also Clarence House, because that's been closed since COVID. Some other um, changes we have seen, and I know this is like really tiny changes, but Catherine, the Princess of Wales, she had red nail polish on going to Easter service the other week, didn't she? Yeah, that was different. And again, maybe it's because the Queen was of a certain generation and there were certain ways that things were done. But we're seeing, I think, a lot more of a relaxed Catherine, especially yeah. engagements. If you look at her, you know, even five years ago when she would be on an official engagement, she was quite done up. The outfits were always quite prim. Compared to what she's wearing now, we're seeing a lot more trouser suits. We're seeing a lot more of a relaxed hairstyle. So these are little changes that we are seeing. It will be interesting to see her role going forward because she is really one of the main figureheads of the monarchy at this point. And that's something that we can really move into, actually, Rachel, the slim down monarchy. At the end of the day, we don't have many royal members of the family left who are actually working members And that's quite a scary prospect, isn't it? I think I read the other day that King Charles has something 800 charities and patronages. That's just an enormous amount. Which is crazy. And I think we've heard this phrase, slim down monarchy, for a while. But at the time, you had Andrew, still as a working royal, Mm -hmm. and you had Harry and Meghan. And those were three principal members of the working royal family. And you take those away... The Gloucesters, the Duke of Kent, Princess Alexandra, they're quite elderly now. Yeah. And it's not to say that they can't work, but they don't have the same pulling power yeah. that William and Catherine do. I mean, mm-hmm. so realistically, all you've got is William and Catherine and the King and Queen Camilla. As the main, and then secondary to that, with them got the Hobnob and the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, which again, they're doing a, a lot, aren't they? But still, they don't bring in the interest like the Prince and Princess of Wales do. Yeah, and I think a slim down monarchy, how slimmer can it get? It will be interesting to see as they grow up, George, Charlotte and Louis, if they become working royals. Well, not just that, Rach. What about Lady Louise and Earl of Wessex, whether they would become working royals? Yeah, see, I don't see that happening just because years ago, Sophie and Edward said that they want their children to have as normal an upbringing as possible, which is precisely why they didn't afford them the prince and princess titles, which Mm. they could have had because obviously Edward was the son of the monarch. Yeah. 
they deliberately did not have those titles and they were just at the time styled Lady Louise and Viscount Seven. There has been more of a public interest, especially in Lady Louise, because now that she's 18, she could have accepted that princess title. Yeah. And then a lot of people were saying, oh, will she become a working royal? My hope is that she will. And I just can't see it happening. Mm. I think she'll be like Beatrice and Eugenie, where she has a normal job and then she'll have certain charities that she's connected to. Yeah. Because although Beatrice and Eugenie, they have their HRH titles, they're not full-time working members. And I think that's what we'll definitely see if and when George gets married and he has a family, his children will be HRH, prince or princess, because he will be the future monarch. But it'll be interesting, Charlotte could go completely left field and be like Anne, and she could say, no, I don't want titles for my children. They're not going to be working royals. It's exactly the same with Louis. We can't see into the future. So we don't know what's going to happen when William becomes king, how that's going to look different to how the monarchy looks like now. It's just a waiting game because you just can't predict the future in this sense. Another change I've seen is the type of engagement the King Charles goes to. And now they're more kind of official engagements like city status engagements, for instance, rather than what he might potentially have done beforehand, which is go to a bank to open sustainable markets or go to, you know, a wool engagement and talk about farming in a rural area. And that's not to say he won't do those things. But now I think the type of engagements are more connected to the monarch rather than his own interests. So I've also noticed that as well as we've moved on. Rach, we know we're talking about the king, the new Carolean era, but we also have to speak about Queen Camilla. What do you think she's going to bring to her reign? I think she's just going to be that steadfast support system for the king in his new role. You know, they've been married now for years and she always has been, but now he has that elevated position as the monarch. Obviously, things are going to change for them as a couple, privately Mm -hmm. as well as publicly. And I keep thinking back, they're in their 70s. This is the time where they should be relaxing and enjoying their lives and look at their work schedule. And we can just assume that there's going to be a big overseas royal tour coming up. We don't know where yet. It hasn't been announced, but it's on the cards. It has to be. It does. It has to be. I mean, that's the whole point of making the royal family relevant, especially in the Commonwealth countries. Yeah. What did the Queen used to say? If you're not seen, you're not... I need to be seen to be believed. Exactly. And I think that's something that we will see a coronation tour of some sort with King Charles and Queen Camilla moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting. And as we always say, royal community, only time will tell. So what do you think, royal community, about the future of Charles's reign? Do you think he's going to make any changes? Do you notice any changes that you've made so far? Let us know over on Instagram, Keeping Up The Windsor's Pod, or email us at keepingupthewindsorspod at gmail.com. If you would love to support the podcast, you can in quite a few different ways. You can head on over to Spotify or Apple or Podbean and heart the program, or maybe share it with somebody you know who loves the royal family just as much as we do. And also, if you'd love to keep us on the air and support us, you can over on Kofi, K-O-F-I. You can give us a one-off donation that helps us keep the podcast on the air, or you become part of the VIP Royal Community, which is a monthly membership where you can have a Zoom call with Rachel and I and also 
be part of our private Facebook group where we have a chat every day about the Royals. Don't forget to check out our YouTube, Keeping Up the Windsors. We've got lots of Royal content over there as well. And if you want a little bit more of Rachel and Michelle, we were featured in TMZ's Spilling Royal Tea podcast. We had a little bit of a podcast swap, didn't we? We did. And it was really interesting to speak to an American podcast about the Royals. Yeah. Because we know we have so many US followers, don't we? So it was really interesting to get someone else's perspective apart from ours. Absolutely. So thank you to Sean and the team for having us over on the podcast. And if you want to obviously go ahead and listen to our episode, you can. We will see you next week where we're back to normal scheduling. Can you believe it, Rachel? I'll be back from holiday and all the coronation will be done. There's bound to be something that happens. (laughs) It's the royal family. They keep us on our toes. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week on Keeping Keeping It With The the Winters. Winters.